Welcome to Business Talk Sister Crack. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is Mastermind Groups, the Power of Peer-to-Peer Mentorship. And we are super excited to have a guest with us today. His name is Aaron Walker. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, Rebecca. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. So our first question for you is, what do you do? You know, I'm a life and business coach. I help ordinary men become extraordinary in all they do. And we've started recently, a year ago, Women's Masterminds as well. And we help people accomplish their goals and dreams and live a successful and significant life. Okay. So why do you do that? Like, what was your why behind getting started with um, peer-to-peer mentorship? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, what I have found recently, when I say recently, (laughs) it's two decades. I guess not so recent, (laughs) is it? I found that we need people in our lives. Like, we need camaraderie. We need insight. We need perspective. And a lot of people have a hard time finding that. And isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if we really want to take our life to the next level, we've got to surround ourselves with competent, trusted advisors that don't have anything to gain or lose as a result of their input. And they can help you push through upper limit challenges. They can help walk alongside you and encourage you and give you strength and that camaraderie that we all so desperately desire to help take your life to the next level. So I don't find it anywhere any better than meeting in mastermind groups. Hmm. So can you give us a definition of what exactly is a mastermind group? Yeah, it's just peer-to-peer mentoring. You know, a lot of people equate it to a board of directors. Some people misunderstand what masterminding even means, but it's just where people have similar core values. They align themselves in a manner that they want to go forward. And you do that best with people where you can coincide your core values along with theirs to catapult you to the next level. So I just clearly say it's your board of directors. All right. So let's transition into the how do you do it portion. So when you create a mastermind group, uh, what type of people are best fit to be a part of that? It depends on the mastermind group. You know, we have found gender neutral uh, groups work well for some people. Some are gender specific. Uh, others are like ours. Uh, we cover 60% professional, 30% personal, and about 10% spiritual. Some people are a very niche market. Like we have some people that run mastermind groups that sell medical supplies, for example, or some people are architects or other people are housewives. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish as to the way you design the mastermind. So mastermind groups could be um, a number of things. Yeah. So how do you see mastermind groups be successful? You know, there again, it depends on the objective. It depends on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Most people are trying to move the ball down the, the field. They're trying to have big wins. Like in ours, we deal in five key areas of your life. We deal in your personal, relational, spiritual, financial, and professional And what we've seen to work very well is developing kind of a life plan. And we usually do those in three-year increments. We have a program that we design called Come As You Will Be. And what we do is anticipate the vision in those five areas of your life. We design tasks that you need to do each and every day in order to be successful to accomplish your goal. Brian Moran teaches in the 12-week year when you will 
focus on the task rather than the goal. The goal takes care of itself. And so we just help hold you accountable each and every week to do the task that you should. And shortly thereafter, the goal follows. So tell us about the structure of your mastermind groups. Like you just said that you meet every week, it sounds like. And yeah, we so- do. Yeah, we meet on a platform called Zoom. And it's a virtual uh, video platform. Uh, we have members now in nine different countries from around the world. You know, it's pretty cool. We've got one guy that's in Australia. And it is tomorrow on our today. And so we're on the same call. Uh, two different countries on two different days. And so it's pretty cool that he's that far ahead of us. But uh, the virtualness makes that possible. And you don't have to depend on local talent to meet in a mastermind. When it's virtual, you can select the people that you want to spend the most time with and get involved in a mastermind group. So yes, we meet virtually at the same time every single week. And uh, twice a year, we meet in person. So I have another question for you about mastermind groups. Now I've looked at a a bunch of different kinds in the past or whatever. And if you form a mastermind group, does being financially invested in it actually impact your ability to succeed? Oh, absolutely. Because we pay attention to what we pay for. And if we're not willing to pay for it, historically, some new shiny object comes along, a new client or an opportunity to play golf, and you'll probably default to that rather than showing up. But if you are vested financially, uh, more than likely you're going to show up because you want to get your money's worth. And so what we've seen is most people will pay attention more simply for the reason that they're vested. Okay. So what is the key to keeping people motivated in the groups that you lead? Yeah, well, it depends on the objective and what you're trying to accomplish because you've got to determine your why. Like you can say that I've got certain goals, but if there's not a bigger underlying why, they probably won't stay. We also assign accountability partners that we rotate through on a monthly basis. So you have someone that's texting you or calling you or emailing you or you're getting on a video call. Uh, once, twice, three times a week, along with this accountability partner. And I know as well as you ladies do that you want to succeed and you don't want to let that person down. And you want to be sure that you're accomplishing the things that you tell them that you want to do, because nobody wants to show up and be a loser, right? We want to accomplish those things because we've got someone waiting on us or depending on us, uh, someone that is holding us accountable. And so it's a very big motivator The other thing is, is that we take turns rotating through these groups, being the leader. Everyone wants to be the leader. And so we rotate through uh, being the leader. We have an accountability tool that we fill out every Thursday. It's a digital tool. We ask you a series of questions and then the other members understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And they're able to ask you on the following week's call. And so there's many, many things that we do in order to keep the motivation high. Yeah. So what should be the level of contribution that's required of each person as they seek to be part of a mastermind group? And how does that look? You know, it depends on how fast you want to move the ball down the field. The more vested you are and the more involved and the more you reach out to cross-pollinate with other groups or other members in the same group, uh, you know, opens up new opportunities because when you're building relationships and you're Uh, reaching out to people that just invites other opportunities. 
a lot of people sit back. They're not as aggressive. They don't push forward. They don't reach out to other members in the group. They don't cross pollinate to other groups. And, you know, if you're really going to move the ball down the field, you've got to get out there and seek the opportunities. And so I'm very aggressive personally, like I believe in making it happen. And that's the reason I've owned a number of businesses over the course of 42 years is that I want to make things happen. This is like the only life that we've got right on this side of heaven. It's all we've got. And it's not something that we're uh, doing a trial run. Like we're living our life today and I want to maximize that. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to reach out and to get new perspectives and for opportunities to present themselves. So I'm very forward and uh, I'm very aggressive. And the more I do that, the more opportunities open. Okay. And that seems like it comes <laughs> pretty natural to you, maybe. So what about people who are stepping into this and maybe don't have the same level of drive as you do? Like, what does it look like to be a good mastermind mastermind group participant? And how yeah. can you really bring value to the people that you're working with? That's a good question, Ruthie. Uh, what makes a good mastermind member is somebody that is really willing to understand uh, a person well before they're trying to be understood. Uh, we're looking for givers, not takers. We're looking for somebody that is willing to share, somebody that is willing to offer assistance, to edify you, to encourage you, to lift you up, to point out your blind spots, not only uh, encourage your superpowers, but to say, hey, this is something that I see in you that maybe you don't see in yourself because y'all know as well as I do, other people see you differently than you see yourself. And so somebody that has a keen awareness uh, to, the, uh, to the areas in your life that you could maybe work on or you could improve on, uh, I think it's somebody that shows up on a regular basis, uh, somebody that is willing to spend time not just in the group but offline, somebody that is willing to call you throughout the week, uh, not just at the appointed time. The truth is, is somebody that cares, somebody that is really interested in your well-being and your welfare. That person makes an excellent mastermind member. Yeah. So it sounds like you have to have a, a, a high level of trust in order to be able to like share that kind of truth in a group. So how does that work at the beginning? Is that, um, do these people usually know each other beforehand or no, is it kind never, of something? Okay. Yeah, they never know each other at first and it takes time. Just to be honest with you, uh, we've had these groups running for years and years and years. And historically, when a new member comes, it takes 60 to 90 days for them to start feeling comfortable. There's a level of trust that starts to build over time. There's really... Uh, when you're meeting virtually, people go more vulnerable and transparent faster than when they're meeting in person in a community. And the reason is, is because hypothetically, let's use this scenario. Let's just say I'm in with Billy and Billy is in my community. And let's just say I'm a banker and he's a doctor and we're in the group together. Well, our wives could play tennis together at the local country club. Well, I'm probably a little more hesitant to share anything personal. Maybe there's something going on in my life with Robin, my wife, and I'm a little hesitant to share because our wives play tennis together and you can see the repercussions that could happen. But if 
if I'm in Texas and he's in Nashville, uh, there's no correlation. There's no connection. I'm apt to share quicker because there's not that fear that the thing I'm sharing about is going to escape from that conversation. The other thing is, is the level of competition. A lot of people have a mindset of, uh, you know, if, if I share this, I'm going to share the secret sauce, but if there's no sense of competition, you're willing to share with people more because you don't feel that it will encroach on your business. Uh, you can talk more about family members because there's no connection. There's no one that has a connection in your local community. So you're just able to share deeper, faster uh, when you're doing it virtually. And you just have to learn the trust over time. Uh, a lot of the groups sign non-disclosure agreements that you can't discuss anything outside of the group. Some people sign a commitment of confidentiality. Uh, and then the other thing is just there's an agreement. It's just like when you join, the things that we talk about are confidential. And if you ever divulge that, it's the surest, fastest way to get voted off the island. Like you're not coming back, right, if we find out <laughs> you're sharing this. And so uh, it's a very, very safe place historically. So what, um, what would you say, is it, is it beneficial or not to have a variety of backgrounds and ages in a mastermind group? Um, or is it make it the same if everyone's around the same level of experience? Yeah, no, I think diversity is really what we're looking for because I may have a great amount of experience in one area because of my age, but maybe I need technology education and maybe somebody much younger can help me accomplish that. Maybe uh, I do well at making money, uh, but my relationships are not doing well. See, there's no age barrier there. A lot of people that are young have a lot of experience in building relationships. Maybe someone is new relatively in their marriage, but Robin and I now have 41 years of marriage and I can offer a lot of insight there. And so we can always reach back and uh, to a mentee, or we can always look forward to a mentor. And there's always people that can help us in every demographic of our life. We have people in our groups today that are just starting. They're entrepreneurs, but, or maybe they're solopreneurs. But we have other people that have hundreds of employees that do multi-millions of dollars in revenue annually that can really uh, lead people on that are aspiring to do the same. And so I think the diversification is very good. So how do you handle the exclusivity of mastermind groups? Where, where's the line between um, being in a group that's encouraging to one another? And, and then where is the, the treading lightly to not become like a good old boys or a good old girls club? How do, how do you make people feel welcomed? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, I don't think anybody should be at a point to where they feel that someone is better than someone else from an exclusivity standpoint. Uh, I'm Christian by faith, and I feel like that God created everyone equal. There's some people that happen to be more fortunate financially, but that certainly doesn't put you in a position of authority or exclusivity uh, that would create an environment to where someone would feel they were maybe better than someone else. We're very careful uh, with that. Now, everyone can afford to be in a mastermind group. And I get that. Everyone can be in community. And until you can be in a group that you can afford to pay for, I would encourage everyone strongly to be in a group, a local group even, or you can be in a virtual group. 
Uh, it doesn't have to be a paid group that you're in, but you asked earlier where I found the most devotion, the most devotion are the people that are paying. Now I've got children older than both of you. And I've learned years ago that they need to have a vested interest in things in order for them to pay attention. For example, I didn't give my children their first car. They had to work for it. I matched what they contributed, but I didn't pay for the car. A lot of people getting educations today, I have found that people really pay attention to getting out of school faster when they're paying for it. If their dad's paying for it or their mom's paying for it, uh, sometimes it's a little easier to take your time, right? I got another year. But if you've got a vested interest in anything, historically, this is not true for everybody, but historically, you're going to maintain it better. You're going to look after it. You're going to take care of it uh, because someone else is not footing the bill. The same way with the mastermind groups, you know, when you're paying your hard earned money to be in there, you're going to show up, you're going to participate, you're going to reach out, you're going to get all you can. If there's no cost, there's no pain and you're able to go play golf today or you're able to go shopping today rather than showing up on your mastermind, someone's getting cheated, right? The people that are there that you said you were going to commit to, they're showing up to hear what you have to say. So not only is yourself being cheated, but the people that you committed to being there, uh, you're cheating. And so I've just seen historically, this is not true for everybody listening because I do realize some people are meeting their groups are amazing. They're not paying. That's an anomaly. That's not the uh, standard. And so I would just suggest that if you want to get into a group where everyone's participating in equally, I would suggest a pay group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen that pretty consistently across the board with um, most things in life is the, there's a, there's a difference between free and something you have to pay for at right. the level of commitment for sure. Right. Right. Um, so how do you kind of grapple with that sense of imposter syndrome when you enter into a mastermind group, if you aren't someone who has um, had a lot of experience and you're kind of stepping into this room with people who have been like what you were describing, like you've been married for, for over 40 years and, and like have a ton of experience in running so many different businesses. Um, how do you handle imposter syndrome? Yeah. Well, Ruthie, the truth is we all deal with imposter syndrome to some level. You know, sometimes I'll lay in bed and I'll be talking to Robin and somebody will have quit our mastermind. And I'll say, do you think anybody else is going to join our mastermind group? She'll say, shut up and go to sleep. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's like, you know, I'm a coach also. And is anybody going to hire me to be their coach? And she's like, you've owned 14 businesses. Sure. Somebody else is going to call you and see, I'm like, oh man, but I don't know every answer to every question. We all deal with that. I don't care what level you're at. We've dealt with people at the highest income bracket you could get. And they even still wrestle with the imposter syndrome. Sometimes Gay Hendricks wrote a great book called the big leap. And it talks about pushing through these upper limit challenges. The truth is we're all knuckleheads. We all have those upper limit challenges that we have to deal with. And that's all the more reason you need a mastermind group. You need people to walk you through that, to help you. Listen, we're all at different stages. We're all at different levels. Everyone, when uh, I wrote, uh, I've written two books. And I'm about to write a third book. Ken Abraham sat to my left in my mastermind group. Dave Ramsey sat to my right. And Dave and I have been friends now for 30 years. And I started with Dave when he first started on the air. I was his second sponsor. I sponsored his show for 21 consecutive years. And so mm-hmm. we've been friends since the very beginning. 
And uh, someone said, I needed to write a book. And I said, well, Ken Abraham that sat on my left for a dozen years, he was the most prolific and still is ghost author on the planet. Anybody that's anybody, he's written their book. Dave Ramsey sitting on the right had written a dozen books at this time and sold tens of millions of copies. And I said, who's going to read my book? I mean, like, who am I that they're going to read my book? <laughs> and then Ken Davis said, no, you're writing the book for the wrong reason. If you're writing the book to compare yourself with someone else, you'll never win because there's always somebody a step ahead of you. You need to write the book because it's going to impact somebody's life, right? And it was great advice and it really helped me to push through that. So I spent the next 18 months writing view from the top and I help people now accomplish a level of success and significance in their life. And the people that have read that book said, man, this is an amazing book. Like if I had used that imposter syndrome or I had used that, it's not as good as theirs. I wouldn't have created the book view from the top. And so we just have to all stay in our lane because God uniquely created every person for a purpose, for a task. And we've just got to keep our focus on that. So what resources would you recommend? And, and the second part of that is what would you give as advice to younger people who are looking for peer mentors? Yeah, I would just say to go slowly, right? And to reach out and not be afraid to approach someone that you admire, someone you respect. I think one of the key elements is that if they don't have similar core values to you, no way I would enlist them to be my mentor. And for me personally, I'll just share to give an example. Like I have five core values. My first core value is, first core values are relationships matter most. That's the first core value I have. Regardless of the decision I'm making, the relationship matters most. The second thing is I don't want to do anything halfway. I want to make it amazing. Mm -hmm. Everything I do, I try to give it everything I've got. Now, it's not always amazing compared to something else, but it's not for the lack of effort. It's I just don't know any better, but I'm going to make it as amazing as I can. The third core value for me is no excuses. I hate excuses. Like everybody's got an excuse. They're a victim or whatever. I'm like, man, I'm in charge of my success, right? Not a presidential candidate, not other peers. Like it's me. There's no excuses. And the fourth one is everything is figure outable. Like I believe everything that we do is figure outable. Now, from a faith perspective, some things may be a mystery and we shouldn't figure it out. But humanly speaking, I think everything is figure outable. And then my last core value is truth before opinion. And I think that we've really got to establish what truth is. For me, it's looking through the biblical lens to discover any truth and find our identity before someone's opinion. And so if you can find other peers that align with your core values, that's the person that you want to mentor you. So go out, search for people, look for people that align in your core values, and then start hanging out. Mm. Wow. That's so good. I love that you talked about your core values. Becca and I are always bringing up um, the value of that and kind of making decisions for the rest of your life, really, and um, how that determines things. Um, okay, we are going to transition to the Sister Gok portion of our episode. And we are so thankful to have had you share just wisdom and all about what you've learned and, and how you can um, 
how we can be applying that as, as listeners. So thank you for that. Um, and you had said that you have a mountain of stories that you can pick from for the GOG portion. So um, if you want to go ahead and, and just take it away. Uh, but first, before we get into that, will you tell us where our listeners can find you? Yeah, that'll be great. Thank you so much. Yeah, the easiest place to find me is at viewfromthetop.com. We're pretty easy to find on social media, and I would love to talk to you if you're interested in mastermind groups. You want to start your own mastermind uh, program, we teach people how to do that as well. So feel free to reach out at viewfromthetop.com. Now, listen, this is hilarious. This happened to me just a few weeks ago. Now, your audience obviously doesn't know me, but I decided I was going to go on kind of a health binge, and I was going to get myself in really good shape. So January 1st, I went on this diet. And I got on the keto program, ketogenics, and I said, hey, I'm going to lose some weight. Well, I did. I lost 37 pounds in 10 weeks. Wow, that's amazing. A couple of weeks ago, I got in the shower and I felt this really terrible knot in my stomach. And I said, oh my gosh, I've got a tumor. And I got out of the shower and I said, Robin, what is this? She goes, I think that's your skeletal system. And I said, no, that's a tumor. Like I've got cancer and I'm going to die. What is (laughs) And she goes, no, that's not. And so we go to church and after church, we go to our small group and there's a lady in the group that's been in there for 40 years as a nurse. And I said, Carrie, I said, look, I got a tumor. And she felt of it. And she said, I want to introduce you to your sternum. I said, what? And she said, it's been covered with 37 pounds of ugly fat for the past 30 years. And that is your skeletal system. And so I don't have a tumor. I'm not dying of cancer, but I thought you'd get a chuckle out of me finding the <laughs> sternum. We got a good laugh. Oh, that's so funny. We used to, when, so we were homeschooled and my youngest brother, when he was learning about um, the skeletal system, I would always have him do like a chest bump where he would go sternum. <laughs> this is the only way you can remember it. Right. So well, that's thank so y'all. I appreciate that. It was fun. Thank you yeah. for asking me about masterminds today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the passion that I've had for two decades and I could talk about it all day. So thank you uh, for having me as your guest. Yeah. And if you, any of you enjoyed this podcast, you can definitely give us a review on Apple podcasts. We'll see you next week.